You're listening to the Water in Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Just a fair warning. There are a few four-letter words that we end up saying throughout this episode. Um, so if you are listening with your children, put some earmuffs on them and uh, enjoy the show. All right, y'all. So we are trying something. We're prototyping mm. this. Uh, we're putting design thinking to work and prototyping a, we're both here in the office. Ariane is over here. So if you see me looking over here, I'm looking at her um, and she's across from me. So we are in the office <laughs> together and I told her, let's do a pod, just me and you about some of the things that we have learned during COVID that has caused us to adopt something new or let go of something else. And mm. this is us kind of putting into action things that we preach during Virtual Catalyst this mm -hmm. year. So Virtual Catalyst this year was a little different than it's been in the past because we weren't focused on the concrete tools and skills like how to make a content calendar or things along that. We were really focused on the community on the communicators themselves. A, because we know that nobody is taking the time or enough time to work on themselves um, and to give themselves some grace to do that. And number two, because there just aren't a lot of resources like that, especially for folks that are communicators or educators or other non-technical or even technical folks too. Mm -hmm. I feel like yeah, there's not sure. a lot of time for us to really be thinking about Doing some communication internally, self-check. Mm -hmm. um, self-check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, because if you are, if you are depleted, you're gonna make some poor communication choices. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we wanted to take a minute to share our story, practice what we preach, and do that. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off. We've we've each kind of brainstormed some things that we want to discuss with one another um, about things that we had an opportunity to reflect on, having been inspired by what we went through in Virtual Catalyst to do this. So um, that's kind of like the core of my first thing that I've really done a lot of, um, mostly in probably the past thirty days because it took about 18 months for me to realize how burnt out I was. Mm. And I think COVID and the pandemic and having to stop and sit with myself um, and only myself, because mm. we were all in our own little quarantine situations um, and not being able to go to conferences, conferences and see people and just stay in the motion of moving forward. Yeah. Um, Self-reflection is kind of like <laughs> my big thing. Um, and I, if you've heard me before, I'm going to like move this up a little bit because I'm slouching. I want some better posture here. Mm. Um, so you may have heard me say this before, but I joke and, and call myself a recovering perfectionist. It is, uh, it's true. I battle with that hardcore. And one of the things that I noticed uh, that I wanted to share because I've thought about this several times in the past few weeks and especially with not to time this podcast, but right now we're in the thick of the um, Tokyo 2020 Olympics mm. that are happening in 2021 yeah. because of the pandemic and Simone Biles, who is like the greatest gymnast of all time, just pulled herself out of Olympic competition, citing mental health reasons and go Simone for rooting on yourself yes. and taking care of you. But like, I am not comparing myself to the greatest of all time, gold medalist, <laughs> wow, the goat of gymnast, all Simone gymnasts. Biles. But like, <laughs> I can in my own way relate to that, relate sure. to feeling the weight of the world, even though my world is smaller in comparison to hers. And so through something simple that I noticed, because I've had several people bring this up is that me waking up at 4 a.m. It's funny. I feel like everybody oh, yeah. remembers yeah. me talking about that. And 
every time they do, like I've kind of chuckled, but like I haven't woken up at 4 a.m. in probably. Hold on. Is this breaking news? Yes. And I have corrected a few people I'm like, well, I only get up at like 5, 5.15 now. God. But like, I haven't. And like people bringing up how I did in that moment. And I know that they don't mean this in any way whatsoever. Like Mm -hmm. in that moment, I feel like I am like less than perfect. Yeah. Because I'm not like, damn it. Why am I not doing that? Yeah. I need to get back on that. Yeah. Go down this like path of self-destruction a little bit. But the thing is, is that a initially when I was waking up at 4 a.m., it was for me. Mm -hmm. It was a good thing. Yeah. Because I was reading or writing or like it was it was me time. time. Yeah. Everyone else was asleep. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any notifications coming in. Mm -hmm. I was up before Seth Godin. Yeah, so. right. You beat his blog, which is <laughs> I was like waiting wild. there, waiting to get ping that Come Seth, Seth blog up, coming up. Yeah. But then like when we really got into the thick of our growth as a company, like and the work began to grow before yeah. we were able to add on to our amazing team, like we've been able to now, like work started yeah. at 4 a.m. And it was it was going, 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 and it kind of came to a halt when, uh, and I wasn't going to the gym anymore. I wasn't exercising Mm -hmm. anymore. I wasn't like having that me time anymore. And I don't think that I realized what impact that had on me until everything kind of came screeching to a halt Mm -hmm. at the beginning of 2020. Mm. And um, yeah, so been dealing with that element of nice perfectionism. (laughs) So I'm going to Oh, is my turn now? it over to you. Um, okay, so mine, the first kind of things that I can, when you were like, let's think back to 2020 and, and those first few months and, and year, I was like, um, I experienced like my first real bout of depression and I didn't know what it was. I just knew I've always had anxiety and this wasn't it. This wasn't the same feeling. Um, and so there was a lot of, you know, overwhelmed by everything, hard to get out of bed. Um, everything people said I took personally and just wallowed in it. And, you know, it it was just work wasn't fun. Nothing was fun. Um, I despised, you know, sitting there on a zoom call, zoom call after zoom call after zoom call in between zoom calls, doing things, you know, at home and being at home with the kids, like it was just a lot. And so, um, for me, um, those first, basically this first like six months, I think Stephanie probably said to me, you probably said to me a couple of times and probably a lot more than a couple. I think you need to go see a therapist. I think you need to talk to someone. I think you need to like get into this therapy. Here's my therapist number. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I've always been, you know, the one that went to therapy and talked, told people they need to go to therapy. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll get there. But I just wasn't like ready to face whatever was happening. And so um, it wasn't until we were in the river at Guadalupe River. Mm. We were sitting there having a couple drinks and doing our little our vision strategy. Yeah, our, our annual vision strategy duo hangout retreat retreat. Um, we were sitting there in the river, just hanging out. And she was like, no, like, seriously, I need you to do this for me. Like you have to do <laughs> this. I can't do it for you. I need you to do it. And <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll do it. And, and also my therapist is great. Yes. We have the same therapist. <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm obsessed. We've even had a I'm therapy session. I'm obsessed. <laughs> like, let me channel my inner, um, Alexa and David. Of course. I'm obsessed. Yes, from for Schitt's sure. Creek. And if you haven't seen it, for sure. What are you doing? Google it. Like, come on, get with it. Anyways, uh, yeah, they helped me survive COVID for oh, sure. Yes. They um sitting there and I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, I'll do it. So I, I remember I pulled over the side of the country road and BFE where I live, and and I was like, she I text her and my text went through and I was in a bad service area. <laughs> I was like setting myself up to uh, like for this not to work, you know. <laughs> Cause I was just like, ah, oh, no, I'm not ready for this. And, um, 
and I was like, I'll, I'll send this text. And a lot of it has to do with my daughter. I have a daughter who's got her own issues and she's six and it, it's really frightening and sad for her and to watch her struggle so much. And so I was like, well, I can do this for her. And so I text Carolina and I was like, I need to talk to you about my kid. <laughs> and she was like, sure, let's do it. And she calls me and we talk and I lose service and I'm like, and then she follows up. She's a great therapist. She is. And we finally got into it. And I have been, I was like, look, right out the gate, I'm going to tell you, this is expensive and I'm not ready to spend my money on other things. I'm like working on paying off all my bills, blah, blah, blah. She's like, this is an investment for your whole family, not just for you. This isn't about you. (laughs) And so when she kind of said it like that, I was like, and it's so true. Like, this is more than just, you know, that's why I wanted to like, make sure everyone knew, like, if you're struggling and you want to talk to someone and you're like, well, it's expensive. I don't have the money. Like it's an investment in your whole family and yourself. But for me in that moment, I needed to hear that it wasn't just about me. I needed, Mm. this is for everyone else Yeah. also. And then we got to the root of like that whole, like, doing things for myself thing. (laughs) Um, so what I think the first thing I want to kind of wrap up with this piece of it is, um, that first meeting, I was like, there are filing cabinets in my brain and they're scattered all over the floor. They're knocked over and they have folders in there and the folders are filled with trauma and feelings and thoughts and lots of thoughts. And I said, I just need help, like organizing my brain. I'm so, it's so crazy and overwhelming. And so we just started taking baby steps. And that's what I want. That was so hard for me to wrap my head around for those first six or eight months until I got into therapy. Like, it's so overwhelming to make that first step. And when we did, when I did, it was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. And then to take it a little bit further, like therapy, baby steps, little things. Like I hung out with Molly a lot during COVID and she your 14, 15 year old daughter taught me how to be a woman. Um, you know, she's like got her mask stuff and her little fancy makeup stick things. And I don't know what they're called. Makeup um, stick things. Yeah. yeah. And mask appliers. She'd probably be killing me right now if she heard all this yeah. and her refrigerator full of like, yeah, she amazing- has a little mini fridge for her facial products. Yeah. So, and so she, TikTok. right. I know. <laughs> so she kind of got me thinking like, God, I need to like, I'm 35. I need to be a girl. I need to start like taking (laughs) care of myself. Um, so I started with one mask thing and one little stick thing. And I, I told myself, I'm not, I don't have to do this every day. I don't have to do this every week. Just like when you want to, when you think about it and you want to, and that really helped me take this like pressure that someone with overachieving, which we'll get into later, feels this (laughs) pressure of like the fear, fear of failure. Like if I don't do it right every time, if I don't go to the gym five times, six times a week, I'm a failure. Yeah. When it's like, no, just go once, you know, it's fine. You're fine. And so got into the masking stuff, started buying myself clothes. I had not done that in years. Um, only recently I started getting my nails done for fun. Hey. Um, and now in zoom meetings, she's always like, yeah, like touching her face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Look at my nails. Um, physical therapy. I started going because I felt chronic pain the whole time during COVID and that sucked. That made me even more depressed. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking care of myself with that and then doing the whole facial product nighttime routine. And just like, that sounds like a lot, but it literally took 18 months to start doing each one of these things. I started letting myself kind of sleep in till like seven and watch TV. I watched a lot of TV and I felt so good about that. I used to feel so guilty about that because what I'm, I'm not doing what I need to be doing for work or for this or that or for the family. And I was like, in the nicest way, F all of that jazz, F all of them, F everybody. (laughs) I need to sit down and do nothing for an hour and be okay with that. So that's my, I'll wrap up with that. I'll volley back back to you. Yeah. Okay. Um, something that I forgot to do before I volleyed it to you was, um, I didn't, I said that people remember that I wake up at four and I'm not anymore. 
But the thing that I had to do or what I um, accepted or let go of, I guess, more so because of COVID is um, like letting go, feeling like I'm somehow a failure because I'm not right. waking up at 4 a.m. now. Um, and then just like more along. And, and one reason that I say that is because during Virtual Catalyst, when we were having a conversation um, that went towards that direction, there was a lot of people not even in that topic, but just a lot of comments that got made during Virtual Catalyst. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people out there who yeah. deal with that perfectionism mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. And for people who are emerging leaders, for people who are trying to create change, for people who are ultra passionate about what they do, like you, I, you probably were probably what cut from the same cloth. Yeah. Um, and one of the other ways that I wanted to touch on real quickly related to perfectionism and just my, like, it's a daily battle. Yeah. yeah. It's It's a daily daily battle. Um, is, is I wanted to give a shout out to the other creatives in my life that we work with, Mm -hmm. um, that have really taught me about, because when you are so closely connected to the work that you're doing, receiving critique and feedback can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a constructive and a shitty way to do that. And we've had a bit of both in our reactions mm-hmm. with people or whatever with people. But, um, mm-hmm. I have learned so much in accepting that from Mike Beitler, who is our creative director and Dustin McLaughlin, who is with 12 midnight and is a part of our production team because they are, I mean, Mike is literally an artist creating something and showing here, I made this for you. And then looking to get feedback. And then on the visual, like other visual side of that, you know, like Dustin is a director who's creating video content and saying here, I made this for you. And both of them are able to really take feedback with grace and, and make adjustments and edits that are relevant to the story without letting it penetrate their soul. And I actually got to have a conversation with Mike about that. And, you know, he has his own way of kind of processing that of, and I, and I plan on having another podcast with him with Mm -hmm. um, going on a tangent for a minute is that most of the times when people who aren't in the arts per per se, think about creativity, it feels like this like loosey goosey flowy arty thing but Mike has taught me so much about the beauty of the structure yeah. and the rules yeah. that actually go into it mm-hmm. um, that make it so amazing. And like, so Mike is able to look through critique through the lens of how are, how is this making me better based on the rules and structure and what is just subjective? Right. They don't like it. Yeah. And I am definitely at the beginning of my journey of learning how to do that. But like just having conversations with them has really helped me because that feeling and that fear has kept me Mm -hmm. from sharing my own art and my own story. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a writer and I haven't really written much of anything for myself Mm -hmm. since we started Rogue Water Mm -hmm. because writing became work Work. and it kind of sucked all the joy out of it for me. And so like, it has been a difficult battle and relationship between me and my writing for me to get back into that. And so them teaching me about that and facing that fear of putting like myself out into the world in that way has been so incredibly important and valuable to me. So thank you both for that. (laughs) Um, And like, I'm working on a screenplay now and I'm putting that out there because like, that's going to, Y'all remembered I woke up at 4 a.m. So I know y'all are going to be yeah, like, oh, yeah. how's that screenplay coming? Yeah. To me? <laughs> yeah. I'm putting it out there to put the pressure yeah. on me, but I'm sharing my struggle with perfectionism and what I've been learning to let go through that. And it's a daily practice um, because I know that many of you also struggle with that because of how much you care about mm-hmm. your work and what you're doing. So, um, that was a lot. I don't know. Do you have like, do you want to, do you want me to volley that back to you? You can, because I can kind of go into that a little bit more. Um, so my second thing that I really learned about or have learned to let go and have learned to accept and things like that is I'm going to, I don't know if this is like a term, but over overachiever syndrome. Okay. Like instead of imposter syndrome, um, it's something that a lot of us in our line of work, a lot of water 
educators and communicators I've met mm. over the years have also felt just like, we think we have to do it all. We have to have 40 programs. We have to, you know, create them, brainstorm them, create them, market them, and put them on at the same time, host them. You know, it, it's it's wild, um, the level of like, amount of work we put on ourselves. And a lot of times, you know, that's on our, Greg will call it like hobby horses. You know, you're, do you really have to do that? Or is this something you're kind of into? And so for deck for over a decade now, um, being an overachiever was like a badge of honor in a way. Yeah. And I'm over that. Um, my life has changed so much from the days of just with my husband, no kids, working with the city, um, letting them throw everything my way, accepting it, having fun with it, whatever. But my life has changed so much that this whole notion of 40, 50 plus 60 hours of work a week, that's ridiculous. And I want to, um, it's led to burnout, like back in March, April, my burnout came a couple months before Stephanie's. Thank God we didn't both like <laughs> oh, burn yeah. out We'd at the same adding. time. <laughs> but honestly, in March and April, I was ready to walk out the door and, and leave. I just, I was done. I wanted something so simple that I could cl- sit down at my desk, clock in, do some work for those eight hours and walk out and be done mentally with work. Um, and that's because my life has changed so much. I have three kids and Young kids, young, young ones, not in school. Right. I mean, like baby school, like, yeah. And there's a whole level, like this whole, okay. She, Stephanie sent me this message on LinkedIn the other day and I had seen this before and I'm glad that she saw it. And it was this, um, gentle reminder that this whole 40 hour work week was created back in the fifties. Um, when there was, a partner at home and a partner at work. And so you could break that up a partner at home. That's a full-time job. And so when you throw in each partner, having two full-time jobs, there's still a full-time job out there called work at home and it's overwhelming. And so I found myself, like I said before, on these zoom calls in between zoom calls, feeling this pressure that I created this unwritten rule that I created and allowed to take over my body and my mind that I had to hop off the zoom call, bypass going to the bathroom, go change out the laundry because I don't want it to start stinking in the washing machine to pull out the dryer clothes. Cause I don't want those to get wrinkly fold them real quick. Go make my kids, you know, pick up some of the room, go do some dishes, go do this, do that in between these calls and forget to eat or forget to rest or forget to like take a mental, like walk outside for 15 minutes, do some stretching. And so that really compounded. And that's what I'm saying back in March, I was like, this is crazy. This is insane. How are we doing this? How are people still doing this? (laughs) I don't get it. Um, So I have been dealing with comparing myself with everyone else, including Stephanie, you know, she does have, she can pull out this productivity like no other. And I'm like, how is she doing this? Like, I cannot keep up with her. And I was feeling guilty and shameful. And that's where I wanted to be like, I'm out. I can't, I'm tired of feeling so guilty about everything, about feeling pulled in every direction and feeling like I'm failing in every direction. I'm failing my kids. If I'm not failing them, I'm failing Stephanie. If I'm not failing her, I'm failing my husband or friends or family, whatever. And I, you know, was like this whole what's wrong with me thing. Um, and so I continued therapy and we talked about that a lot. And then I started flipping that script and saying like, what works for me? Like what, how can I make this my perfect day? And that was a question my therapist asked was like, what does your perfect day look like? And I describe it. And she's like, why don't we start with that? Like, (laughs) like, let's, let's kind of like forget all that for a minute, what's been going on and like, just change it up for, and just see what we can get through. And so she said, let's do one of those perfect day scenarios. I'm using air quotes. Let's do like one thing today. And so my one thing was like, I want to like, wake up whenever the hell I want to wake up and not feel guilty about sleeping till six 30 or seven. Okay. 
do it. So I started doing that. Um, and that's just one example, but the main thing was like letting go of this unwritten rule in my head that I had to be like everybody else or whoever everybody else is. I don't think anybody wants to be like that. <laughs> I think that we all just assume that they're, they're comfortable. They're okay doing that. And then two months later, she's like, I haven't been okay doing that. That sucks. This is hard. This is wearing me out. Um, so I'm like, okay, this whole, we can do 30, 40 hours of work and it's okay. It's fine. I don't have to be a guilty or feel shameful that I didn't get 45 or 50 or 60 or 70 because on the flip side, like I actually did get that many work hours in the day. Like I did do all that just in a different thing, like home life or whatever else, you know, sometimes I just took the time to read for a minute. Like I haven't got to do that in so long and, you know, not Stephanie's level of reading by any means, but you know, I get, get a couple chapters in here and there, and I don't feel guilty anymore because that's part of my new work week, you know, as far as like, it's okay. So I think that was something that I, I'm learning. So that's why I'm not articulating it very well. I feel like, but <laughs> I'm learning that I have to over, I have to let it go of being a, overachieving as being a badge of honor and being okay with doing one thing, pick one thing today and do that one thing and be excited about that one thing and everything else can wait till tomorrow, you know, type of. So it's interesting that we saw the same post, but took it in like two different ways. I mean, we're different people. So because like when I saw it, so I was a single mom for probably the first five or six years of my daughter's life. And adding on to what happened in 2020, my divorce was final, <laughs> but we've been separated for, you know, probably like before that yeah. and so like being a single mom again and so for me seeing that reminder was was a reminder to me that like to give myself some grace in the fact that like for me it was like 40 hours a week is fine Stephanie because I was stressing out about like I'm not working 60 anymore no that's exactly what I'm yes so like it was like oh I'm doing yes it's okay that I'm just doing just right. It's okay that I'm just doing 40 hours of work work because I'm still doing like, that's exactly what I'm work. saying too. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. Like, it's okay. That's why I didn't, I told you I didn't articulate that. Oh, right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm saying too, is like, go back to working only 40 hours a week, people. <laughs> Holy moly. And the thing that COVID has taught me too, is that, um, you know, yes, you do need to be available within a certain chunk of day, because if you mm -hmm. want to meet with people, like I don't want to be up in people's, their white their, space and yeah. their free time. Like I want to be respectful of that, but like, I know that your productive hours are different yeah. than my productive hours. Right. So like those eight hours in a day may plug in at different points, Yeah, but and I think remote working and I think like not having to do the traditional clock in clock out type thing has been eye opening for a lot of people, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and I think it's something else, if I can add, like when we used to quote unquote, traditionally check in or clock in and clock out, like, let's be real. We didn't clock in at 8am and get right to, yeah. Yeah. Like that, and if for those who are listening, that was me pretending to type on a computer. Yes. Like you walked around, you got coffee, you said hello. So you might've only really been productive six hours that day. Yeah. You had a lunch in there. Sometimes your lunch went longer, five or six hours. And so that realization was where I was like, stop feeling so damn guilty that I didn't do eight, 10 full hundred percent hours, like a hundred percent of the time, every hour of work. You're not even supposed to do that. You're supposed to work 45 minutes and go take a 15 minute break. <laughs> Where the hell did this rule come into my brain at? Like, so I think that is like, that was an awesome reminder. And it was that for me, that was an awesome, like validation for me of this feeling. I already was feeling like, fuck that. I'm going to only work 35 hours this week and that's okay. And I did freaking awesome. And I gave you a hundred percent of my time 
in those 30, 35, 40 hours. Like that's okay. Yeah. And for someone who's tasked with like doing creative work in any sense, like creativity does not strike only during 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And like I'm always on. So I don't know if something I woke up this morning at 5 a.m. and was thinking about ideas for another podcast, you know, and so like I got to like, so it's it's obviously our job is different than others in a lot of ways. But um, yeah, so you're always on, too. But um, is it me? Yeah, too. Okay. Um, so my, my next thing was just about connection in general, something that I've been thinking a lot about working on connection to other people, to myself and to the industry. Um, one thing I'm for myself that I've adopted, and there's like all this research out there that also proves this. And there's all these like famous people who, um, took a walk every day. I think Benjamin Franklin was like one of them, but how like walking is just so important to, kind of clearing space out for your brain mm-hmm. and to think clearly. And so um, my my dog has been struggling with, uh, with cancer. And so there was a period of time where we weren't able to go walking. We normally yeah. walk every day. And man, I noticed the impacts of that. So something mm-hmm. for me to get connected with myself and I don't listen. Sometimes I listen to a podcast or I never really listen to music, but um, I do when occasionally listen to a podcast. Yeah. yeah. But like, I've really recently just, um, not been listening to anything because I just have enjoyed, and I walk pretty early cause it's Texas and it's summer and yeah. it's like a hundred and gazillion degrees by like 10 AM. So we're walking at like six 30. So the sun's mm-hmm. just coming up. Um, but I've really taken that time just to be present and be thinking about like, what I'm hearing. Cause at that, at that hour, it is usually typically just nature mm-hmm. and not cars and stuff like that. So never missing a walk lately has been my way of kind of reconnecting to myself and to my own thoughts and my brain and my creativity. Um, and I know a lot of you out there also do that because you tell us that you listen to this podcast while you're walking. So if you're walking right now, high five. Yeah. Um, Connection to other people, COVID was really hard for me because it took away the opportunity that we have to go to conferences and to see Mm y'all. And I like knew that that was my jam and that I liked doing it even like no matter how mentally and emotionally and physically exhausted I was at the end, I still like, it still somehow recharged me, I guess my soul. And so to be away from all of you for, you know, this long has been really hard for me. And then also like, not having Ariane here as mm-hmm. often, or, you know, people aren't, weren't coming into the office as often. So like, it became really clear to me how connected people are yeah. to my, like my mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that's kind of plagued me, and this is more of like a personal than professional thing, but like one of the things that's kind of plagued me, even since I was like a teenager, probably is this, this feeling that I have around always feeling like I'm the one that's always maintaining the relationships in mm-hmm. my life. Like if I just stopped connecting with people outright, like nobody would ever like call me or reach out to me or contact me. Like Ariane would after a few days, make sure I wasn't dead, but <laughs> it would take me a few days though. Yeah. It would take sure. me a few days. Um, and so like, I really, I've struggled with that for a, like a long time in, in my life. And so because of COVID and because so many other people where I'm an extroverted introvert. So it's my natural inclination to like, I can go hermit real fast. It's not some, it's not good for my soul, but I can do it really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I learned that there's a lot of people out there like me. And so as an example, just a few weeks ago, I had dinner with a good friend of mine and she kind of talked about the same thing. And she was like, you know, the second I texted her, she was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go meet. But like, without having someone like ping in and reach in her natural inclination is just to be like, you know, hermit at home. Right. And so, and I've been reaching out to more and more people and having like, even if it's just a zoom chat, some have been copies. I've reconnected with another friend of mine who I hadn't Mm -hmm. hung out with like in years. And so I just like, it's really helped me put aside that feeling of like, if someone's not reaching out to me, they don't care. Um, I think that 
we're all just busy. And a lot of us, I can speak for myself anyways, like it's just not my, it's not in my DNA. Yeah. Like I literally have gone years without contacting my dad, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I know he's fine and I'm fine. Yeah. And we'll reach out every now and again and be like, Hey, how you doing? Cool. Cool. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Um, so, but I I think for you, it's important that you've, you have communicated this to me and now it's on me at that point to say, okay, I, I, I do need to step it up a little bit more for this, for this particular person. They, they can't go many years or months or whatever, (laughs) um, without contact. So I appreciate when you, when you remind me or bring it up, like, Hey, we need to, we need to reconnect or whatever. And so it's, that's why I'm like, at least once a week trying to get in here to see you just to hang out and be with you. Yeah. So my call to action for any of y'all communicators out there who are, um, borderline hermits, like I can be or extroverted introverts, which I feel like a lot of us are. I can be a hermit forever. Yeah. Um, (laughs) you know, like, and if you're like, damn, like no one's reached out to me, I guess like everyone's living their best life and I'm just chilling, like reach out to somebody. They're going to be so stoked to hear from you, set something up, just set a few things up, get a regular meeting going, like just a regular check-in. It can be formal, informal, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be every month or whatever. It can be like quarterly. I don't know. But, um, I have just found that like, just do it. It's funny. Yeah. There's this, I've mentioned this virtual, virtual catalyst that I, prototyped I was prototyping my own like planner personal planner yeah okay I've been like still this is a still like a thing for me and one of my boxes is reconnect Mm. because I am so bad about staying connected to people and so I'll put in there every week like who do I want to who's one person because I can only do one thing (laughs) who's the one person um that I need to reconnect with this week. And sometimes it's the same person over and over again for a couple of weeks, but it's been really cool to say, I need to reconnect with my friend Katie, or I need to reconnect with this person or that person, my cousin. Um, and just be intentional about yeah. this week. At some point, I'm going to just text them and say, what's up? I'm thinking about you. Yeah. Um, and it, for people who like me, you do have to kind of be more intentional like that and I think I mean, a lot of people do actually. I don't think it's just, just me. Too. Like, yeah, I know. Like, because everybody's just so busy and the older you get, yeah. especially if you have kids yeah. um, or, you know, even if you, you don't, don't realize you just months have, have like, gone by and you're like, yeah. what the hell? I haven't yeah. talked to you in a year. Some people That's have weird. kids keeping them busy. Some people have jobs keeping them yeah. busy. Some people, you know, everybody's got their own yeah. kind of bubbles. And so like not taking that personally and just being to your point, yes, intentional about mm-hmm keeping those connections going. So the last connection piece is about the industry. And this one Mm. was, um, I'm still kind of processing and dealing with this one, but I realized in the course of this like self-reflection, especially in this past month, I realized that I had a toxic relationship with, (laughs) with this industry. Mm. And what I mean by that is that I, um, I realized that I needed to let go of the need of approval Mm. from what we're doing, the work that we're doing, like some of the things that we talk about, like it's on the fringe, you know, like this is not normal fodder in the water industry world. And, and this is not just even now, but in the beginning of my career, like as a communicator and an educator, like I've never felt like a part of the cool crowd ever. I mean, I have like with my cool crowd. crowd, Yeah. But like, I feel like everyone else. We had to create our own cool crowd. We did have to. Yeah. Because Uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, you're right. Like budget meeting. Well, hell, we're at the bottom of that barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Are we even allowed at those anymore? Like that's kind of the thing that we were. Yeah. I've been pat yeah. on the head, dismissed, um, yeah. just physically like, patted on the head too. Even like, even your, um, when you were talking about like overachieving and how feeling God, like you had to do like 40 or 50, yeah. it's because like, 
like, how do we prove that we're valuable right. to you? That's you know, exactly like, right. is, is this good enough? Is this good enough? Uh-huh. Is this good enough? You know? And it's like, sure, sure. That's adorable what you guys are doing ladies. But I'm like, it's not adorable, man. Like if we don't start talking to people and building up public trust again, and like getting out there in communities and rebuilding those yeah. bridges, like we're going to, like, you think it's bad now it's yeah. going to get worse. And so like, can you tell I have a little bit of passion about the yeah. value of comms in this sector? But, you know, I just, I had to let go of, I don't know who it was. I was waiting for approval or like what awards I thought like that King Triton's going to come up from the ocean and be yeah. like, you are, <laughs> yeah, this is a thing. <laughs> and so I had to like get back to something that I learned at the very beginning of my career at my first job in water was I had to rehumanize my purpose. Yeah. Like my purpose had expanded so big again that like I was, I didn't have an outcome that was in within my control. Yeah. And so like that happened when I first graduated from grad school, I would, I came like, you know, two year program pumped up with the people who were also pumped up. We're going to save the world. But like, what, what does save the world mean in right. real life? You know, like, how do you know that you're making a mark? Right. And, and so like I had to, at different points of my career, this has been different people, but at the beginning of my career, and not that I'm saying that like these people don't matter to me anymore. They're still a metric for me. But at the beginning of my career, I had to connect that to the men and women that I got to work with out in the field Mm -hmm. because I was just so blown away by who they were and the work that they did. And just nobody knew the amazing work that they did, the hard work Mm -hmm. that they did that I was like, I want to make sure everyone knows about water because I want to know them about, you know, I want them to know about the Alex's and the, yeah. you know, the Ebbies of the world. And so like, that's what it was then. And so I've really had to begin to rethink about that again and rehumanize my purpose. And, you know, in talking to, to other folks who are really passionate about quote unquote, saving the world, yeah, who are also like, yo, there's a lot of, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And so if you can't tie it down to that smallest viable group that you have control over that yeah. you can help change, that you can help and that you can create change for, like, it's just mm. overwhelming. And if you're purpose driven, if you're mission driven and you lose that, uh, which I did earlier in 2021, it was like devastating for me. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. My heart literally broke because I had lost my reason for getting up in the morning, which like not in like a, I wasn't like going to off myself, but I wasn't at that, but professionally, you know, professionally, I had lost my reason for getting up in the morning. And that was like, that was crushing for me. Um, I mean, I would be lying if I said March, I was not sitting in a parking lot going, I could quit this and go do, I'm not going to say the profession I was going to go do, but like I could go do these professions in my small town yeah, and just kind of blend in for a moment yeah, and and not be expected to do beyond above and beyond. Yeah. And that's where I think that overachiever syndrome, it's a syndrome for sure because it is this, like you do above and beyond once and you're like, hell yeah, that feels good. You do above and beyond twice. And then all of a sudden, that's the new expectation. That's where the bar is now set. And you can never go back down or you failed or someone is telling you that you're failing. That sucks. There's actually a name for that. I'm have to look it up now, but it's in that burnt out book. And But it's called giver syndrome. And it's a legit thing. Yeah. And it, like, it especially plagues women. Yeah. So like, I have I, to look you it set up. your bar so high and then it's like, I can't even reach the damn bar anymore. Yeah. Uh, you kind of set me up for um, my last one here. And you were talking about the smallest viable audience. Mm. And for me, <laughs> the smallest viable audience in my world is me. <laughs> well, yeah. And honestly, I'm at that point where I cannot give to anyone else. I don't want to say I can't care about you anymore, but like <laughs> to care more about you, my family, my friends, my coworkers. I've had to learn how to make that smallest viable audience about me yeah, and let go of the notion that it's selfish 
because F that. Um, I've been working my ass off hard for a long, long, long time. Pulled myself out of ashes and nothing to get where I'm at. And it's been really, really, uh, I know Stephanie like has said these things to me before, but I didn't believe it until the last couple months that no, I actually deserve this. And I do deserve, you know, good things and to take care of myself and breaks and to buy a house. I bought a house y'all and <laughs> you'll hear about it later. I'm sure. But that just this whole like story in my head was telling me that who am I to deserve that kind of house? Yeah. Who am I to deserve this or deserve that? You know, what have I done lately to achieve, you know, to, to deserve that. And that has been the biggest thing I've been doing in the last six months um, hardcore. And it, it's really started to click in the last two or three months that it's on me to change the story in my head. I can't take personally how, you know, th- people that are upset with me, I can't take it personally. Um, they're upset with me by their own, with their, for their own reasons. And I can, I can only be the best that I can be and, and control this audience pointing at myself right here. And I'm not a failure. And I have to write down my achievements all the time and remind myself like, you know, you've done this and that and you've done this and that and you're freaking badass. Um, so only in the last two months, 30 days, 60 days that I, I have truly started to believe things that people have said to me or like you've said to me. Um, and I'm like, fuck that. I am a badass. Yeah. Like, and I have to tell myself not to keep dropping F-bombs, but- <laughs> my bad y'all but like f them that quote unquote f them that quote you know has been the last handful of therapy sessions you know has been the the topic or the theme because like i can't do anything with anyone else it's it has to be about me right there at this point yeah i have to take care of myself it's so important so i just wanted to wrap up with that and just say that you know I've had to learn what works for me and be and be fine with that and not feel guilty about that. And it I can already feel the universe and my world shifting a little bit because the more I'm concentrating on myself, I can already feel like people around me are a little bit more light-footed, better spirits. I don't know. Like I, don't, I can just feel it. There's this energy I can feel that yeah. I'm like sweet. Well, that's a perfect segue into my last point that was about, because it also deals with like me, like taking time for myself Mm -hmm. or working on myself. And, um, I would say that every year I go to visit family in central Illinois for the 4th Mm -hmm. of July. And so this July I got to spend, I think the first five days of true unplugged vacation Mm -hmm. in like four years. Yeah. Um, and it was life-changing for the, like may be, I don't know. Um, just that those short five days I've helped unplug this. My brain had been telling me, damn it, woman, you got to do this for yourself Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And I feel like when I made that choice to fight for myself, that there was this like plug yes. that got like uncorked <laughs> and it sounded like a champagne bottle. Oh, okay. Um, there was this like, and yeah. like the universe poured in and mm-hmm. I have had so much like peace and um, creativity mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, like joy since like yeah. for the first time I was like, you just need to be, you just need to focus on you right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I've been doing that, and I've given a lot of lip service to it in the past. And this time I've really like fought and clawed for it is white space. I post about it. I talk about it, but I don't remember the first person who ever mentioned white space, but it's basically like, um, just creating space and time for you to think and to just be, and to be present. And I have had time blocked off and on my calendar for like months, but like I had to actually have a conversation with myself that was like, 
it doesn't count if you put it on your calendar yeah. and you and still you don't, don't do take it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not just put it on your calendar. It's like make a commitment and a dedication yeah. for yourself to do it. And something that I've had to battle then and actually doing that is then when I'm sitting in that space, then being like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? You should be doing this right now. You should be answering this. You should be like, da, 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 da. You should be doing this. Like you're sitting here doing nothing. You're just like this worthless CEO. <laughs> and I'm like, Wait no. a minute. You, this is what you're supposed to be yes. doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like having to, you know, yeah. figure that out and learn that. And again, a daily practice. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to like ever, ever yeah. silence that voice, but I'll, I kick it in the butt. You like, do a have lot to, sooner. you have to, it's a daily thing that you have to do every day and say no negative voice, voice in my head. I was going to say Nancy, but yeah, then I but feel bad. No, I love Nancy. Nancy. Um, no negative voice in my head. And that, that's when I'm saying like, you do deserve this. I have to tell myself all the time, every day. No, damn it. You do deserve this. You can get up and go to the bathroom. Like little things like, yeah, you can get up and go outside for 10 minutes and walk around, hang out with your goats. You know, <laughs> you yeah. can do that. And it's, that's the constant battle. And, and I feel the more I'm saying it out loud, I'm, probably look like a crazy person because I'm saying this out loud. Like, no, you deserve this. Um, the more I'm saying it out loud, the more that, the quieter that voice has become. Mm. That's where I think the peace is coming in more because yeah. that negative voice is starting to really just quiet up. And that, that inner child in me is like, heck yeah, let's play. Yeah. So, um, Thank you all for listening. These were some major things that have been life altering for both of us. And really I was inspired by every single one of you that attended virtual catalyst Mm -hmm. and the things that you were had enough courage and vulnerability to share. Um, I, I, it was amazing to get to sit back and see that happening. Um, and so I just, I wanted us to have our turn and I wanted us to share that with you since you were so vulnerable in what you shared with us. Yes. Um, so we appreciate each and every one of you. Um, we have a lot of really exciting things in store for the lab. Thank you for your patience with us over this year. We had like all of these great hopes and dreams planned for when we launched in January of 2020 and had no idea what 2020 would bring. Uh, we pivoted so much for a prima ballerina. Yeah. <laughs> we are like, <laughs> okay, Siri, get out oh, of here. Hey, sorry. Um, so I just, I want to thank all of you for sticking with us. I, we have so many things that we're on the docket that we're excited to share with you and, um, just please help us continue to spread the word and build the community and um we'll see you at the next conference we will yeah Yeah. all right y'all fingers crossed anyways peace out peace we are so grateful for each and every one of you all the members of our listening community the water in real life podcast is a rogue water lab original it's hosted by the h2 duo that's us stephanie corso and arianne shipley it's produced by rogue water lab 12 midnight and matt black sound sound design and music by andre black and matt mcneil of matt black sound For more Water in Real Life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.